I can use that headset mic. I believe Josh has contaminated it permanently. So we're just going to steer clear of that. And if you guys misbehave yourselves back there, I will take the, the portable mic and come back there. So I'm watching you. <laughs> it's good to be with you this evening. Uh, I was uh, sharing with uh, Jake a little earlier. Uh, there's been a lot going on uh, in the McBroom house over the past uh, week or so. We've had some sickness, and obviously we have lots of uh, changing things going on with, uh, with Daniel's um, hand surgery coming up and his case and, and things like that. So there's been lots going on. And, and Josh actually reached out to me uh, to talk about uh, the prospect of, of, of maybe postponing my night of preaching because I had so much going on. And he was just making sure that he was uh, pastoring well and, and supporting me to make sure that I wasn't going to be pressed for preparation time. And I told him, I said, when we selected our scriptures for this sermon series, that was done a long time ago, but God has been preparing me specifically, I believed, for this particular night to talk to you guys about this message, and he's been working in and through uh, the difficulties that I've been going through, many of which we, we, you know, we discuss some things here with our prayer request, but I believe specifically God prepares us for times, and I, I believe that he had prepared me uh, to preach this evening. And as it worked out, Josh ended up being sick, so he wouldn't have been able to be here for, with you guys anyway. So I believe that God has worked again through, through all of those things, even the things that we, we wouldn't wish on somebody like sickness with Josh. Uh, so let's uh, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 9 tonight, and we're going to be talking specifically about the God of peace. The scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's have a brief word of prayer. Dear Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here this evening. Lord, we know that there are many things that have kept us away, sickness, sickness in families, and all sorts of other things, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as we come to this time to study your word, that you would remove those distractions from our minds, Lord. Help us to focus on your word and help us to focus on what you would have for us here tonight. We pray your guidance in this time, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So situations and circumstances of life often drive us emotionally. They might swing us up high where we're super excited and everything is wonderful, and then at the same time, they may come crashing down, and then we have this weighty sense of anxiety that hangs over us. We can all think about situations, even those that were mentioned here tonight as we took notes on prayer requests, things that are going on in people's lives. There's lots of things going on in each and every one of our lives, personally, in our household, and in our life of our church. I know that we can all think about people who might be sick around us, things that are, might be going on at work. If you've been watching the news or pay attention to the news, there's lots of things that we could be anxious about in watching the news. 
There was a school shooting this past week in Benton, Kentucky, where two young people lost their lives, and many others were, were injured, either by gunshots or by people running. And our world seems to have no shortage of challenges for us as well. If you look at politics, if you do, I'm sorry. You shouldn't keep up with that all the time. It, it just, it, it, it'll give you an ulcer sometimes watching it. Looking at the world, we have issues with North Korea. We have people cheating with the drugs on Olympic athletes and all these other things that are going on. There's lots of things that people can, can get upset about or, or be anxious about. And I think as we look at those things, we, we may ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? And how is it that I'm supposed to find peace or be peaceful when all of these things are going on around me? When all of these, these influences are, are causing me to be you know, pushed one way or the other emotionally, how am I supposed to find some middle ground and find, find peace? The world puts forth an abundance of solutions. There are tons of things that the world would tell you that will help with anxiety. And I'm not here tonight to talk about clinical psychology. I'm not here to talk to you about medical uh, things that may be done to help people with anxiety. I'm here to talk to you about what God's Word says. So I don't want to delve into those other areas because I certainly believe that there might be reasons for people to receive uh, medication for a chemical imbalance or something like that, and I'm not really speaking to that. But speaking to 100% of the people, 100% of the time, God's Word is helpful. And so I want to talk to the majority, which is the 100% of the cases where God's Word will be helpful in finding peace. So, in looking at our Scripture and looking at who is writing the Scripture to us, we need to realize that Paul is a man who is well acquainted with situations that might cause anxiety. And he's telling us here at the beginning to rejoice in the Lord always, and he reiterates that again, I will say rejoice. Now, I, I think it's important for us as we think about Paul talking about rejoicing in the Lord in all situations, in all times, and in everything, for us to maybe take a little look at some of the things that Paul has gone through so that we can get a better picture of who this guy is that's telling us to rejoice in all things. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 28, Paul gives us a little, just a tiny rundown of the stuff that he has been through in his, in his life. And he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul's been through quite a bit. And I think as we read that, we, we understand that as Paul is telling us to rejoice in the Lord always, you might be thinking, as, as I think, how in the world can he be saying rejoice in the, in the Lord always? Did he have a waking moment where he wasn't on a shipwreck or when he wasn't being beaten? Or the, the 40 lashes less one is basically the 40 lashes is a death sentence. Uh, how, can, how is it that he can be rejoicing all of the time? And I think if we look at, 
as we will hear in just a minute, how it is that he can be rejoicing. It's who he's rejoicing in. He's not rejoicing in those circumstances necessarily saying, yeah, it's great to be shipwrecked and in the sea adrift for a day and a night. That's not what he's rejoicing in. He's rejoicing in who it is that is protecting him. He is rejoicing in who it is that has saved him, who has made it possible for him to be reconciled to God. That's where his rejoicing is coming from. And it's that rejoicing, is if we look at, as he moves on into verse 5, and he begins to talk about, your, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, or let your gentleness be known to everyone. Or another way of saying it might be saying, let your peacefulness be known to everyone. As we begin to look at that, we understand that he is not focusing on those circumstances. What he is focusing on is God and who God is and what God has done for him and how God has cared for him through those circumstances. And that is how he is able to live that even kill, peaceful, uh, gentle, reasonable lifestyle. Think about the person that you may know, and if it's you, great. I, I think we need to talk, and I need to get to know you a little better. But think about this person who you know is a peaceful, gentle person, reasonable, almost all the time. Now, I'm going to share a little anecdotal information about a couple gentlemen that work in Kroger and Valley Station. There's, there's two guys that work in Kroger and, and Valley Station, and they are uh, a little bit older, uh, probably some retired gentlemen that have gone to, back to work for Kroger. And these guys are heroes to me. They are in a customer service job, which can be very stressful. People get upset about something that's past date that may or may not have been bought recently that they bring back in the store and complain about. They complain about spills. They complain about things not being in a place where they can find it, and you just reorganize the store, and now I can't find it. And this poor gentleman who is merely working the cash register gets to hear about all of those things that the management made decisions on. However, these two guys... Every time I have been around them in Kroger, late at night, early in the morning, in the afternoon, these guys seem to be reasonable, with a smile on their face, providing great customer service. And, and, and as I was thinking about this, leading a life of, of gentleness, I, I thought about these guys, and I thought, man, you know, guys who are put in stressful situations, but yet seem to be on an even keel all the time. And it's not a mistake that they're like that. Overhearing some conversations with these guys, if you are in the self-checkout lanes from time to time, you'll hear them talking about their faith in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's not a mistake. These guys know what Paul knows. And hopefully they know what, what, what we should know, and that is the peace that God can give. So now as we begin to look at the, the rest of the Scripture, what I want to do is I want to lay out for us an anxiety prescription, a prescription to deal with anxiety. We talked about how the world would deal with things, and I talked about how there were certainly prescriptions for people who maybe have some issues that uh, need some, some medication. Well, I'm going to give everyone the way that I see Paul dealing with anxiety. I'm going to lay it out as a prescription to deal with anxiety. So you didn't come here tonight expecting to hear uh, a prescription layout, but that is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to look at it as anxiety RX. So, when feelings of anxiety arise, these are the things that I think that Paul's telling us that, that we need to do to deal with it. So, number one, remember. Remember that the Lord is at hand. If we look in verse 5b, he actually says that it. it says, the Lord is at hand. So, if we're thinking about the Lord being at hand, what exactly are, are we saying? Well, I think we need to realize that the Lord is near. 
The Lord is close. The Lord cares. If we looked in, in John 1, or John 1, verse 12, it also, he also tells, it tells us in that scripture that we are God's children. So he cares. It's not just that he's near, but he also cares for us. If you think about parenting, if you have, if you have children or have, have children that uh, are, are, are grown now as you think about them, you are near to them almost 24-7. Sometimes in my house, you can be in the bathroom brushing your teeth and someone will just walk in. There's no knocking. The door just opens and people come in and begin demanding most of the time, sometimes asking questions, but they're in there all the time. The only time you can escape is if you have to go to get cleaned up or something and you can lock the door. The older ones still know how to get in the door. So you have to say, no, 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 stop, okay? But they're there all the time. We're caring for those, for those children. And we, Scripture says that we are God's children. Elsewhere in Scripture tells us that he knows how many hairs are on our heads, he knows when we were knit together in our mother's womb. He knows our days, and he has them numbered. He knows us. He is near. We are his children. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 tells us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within us. So it's not just that Christ is near, not, not, not just that God is near. It's the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers in God. If we have professed faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. You can't get any closer to someone. He's dwelling in you. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit testifies along with our, our spirit when we don't know what to say to him in prayer. And that is so important sometimes as we face difficulties, things that we're anxious about. We don't even know exactly what to pray. But the Holy Spirit knows what we need. And he will pray and intercede for us. So first, we, we need to remember the Lord is near. Second, we need to remember to pray and praying to the God of peace. In verses 6 and 7, it tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so as we pray, we need to pray in all circumstances, not just when things are going south, not just when things are going bad. I know that if, if you remember September 11th or any time we've had some, some tragedy happen, like the, the shooting that just took place uh, it, it, down in, in Marshall, Kentucky, um, there's a call for prayer. I was at a, a high school basketball game this past Friday, and there was a moment of silence because they're afraid to say prayer. They say moment of silence. And there was a moment of silence, and in that moment of silence, I prayed for the families and for those that had, had, been, had been hurt. But that's not the only time that we should be going to God in prayer. We should be going to God in prayer in all things, in things when we're extremely happy. We shouldn't just be high-fiving each other saying, hey, that situation worked out, awesome. We should be going to God in prayer in thanksgiving. We should be praying for things that haven't even happened in, in, yet in, in our lives, things that we're con maybe concerned about, things that we want to happen, we need to, in all things, through all things, go to God in prayer. And as we go to God in prayer, we need to go to him with that thanksgiving, thanking him and remembering again the things that he has done for us and praising him for that. Several years back, I was uh, at, a, um, 
at a conference, and, and, and I, had, I had heard this, uh, this method of prayer before, and if you guys have, have heard this method of prayer before, uh, just bear with me. But, uh, and, I, and I'm not really sure exactly where this, uh, this came from, because he, he did not attribute it to himself, but it's, it's praying with the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. And the A stands for adoration, and with adoration we would begin prayer, praying to God praising him for who he is. Confession would be confessing of sins. T is thankfulness, and then the final one is supplication, which is praying for others and then yourself. And using that simple acronym, teaching not only children, of course, I, that's, that's the conference I was at, was teaching young people to pray. And I thought, man, that is, that is great. That is a great way to help kids remember how to pray. And if you look at it, we're putting... Praise of God first. We're confessing our sins to him. We're thanking him for all these things before we get to, hey, God, I need this, or I really want you to do this, or my, my friend is sick. We're, we're doing all of those things first. So praying to God and seeking him first. Thirdly is, is meditate. And I know there's a lot of negative connotation with, with meditation. Meditation a lot of times is associated with emptying of the mind, and saying a phrase like om or something like that. And I think we rightly have a, a fear and apprehension when we begin to hear people talk about meditation because our world has such a different understanding of, of meditation than we have. And I think that what the world's mistake is is that they seek to empty themselves, to completely empty themselves so that they can become one with their environment or whatever. But as Christians, the difference is we don't seek to empty our minds. We seek to fill our minds. We should seek to fill our minds with thoughts of God and the scriptures that God has given us. We want to fill our minds and fill our hearts with that so that we have those things to fall back on and to rely on when difficult times come. We have those scriptures to fall on when good things happen so that we can give a word and be prepared to give a right word in season and out of season, as Scripture says, to be prepared for those opportunities. In Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. So from the heart flows the springs of life. And as we, as we will get back at the end, of looking back at the life that's lived with gentleness and peacefulness, it is that filling of your mind and filling of your heart that overflows into that life of gentleness and peacefulness. The other thing with meditating is that Scripture talks about it in relation to the renewing of your mind. So for many of us, we have lives maybe that were lived prior to coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe there's lots of things that we have stuffed in our mind that should not be there and should never have been there, but unfortunately, we subjected ourselves to that. So how, do, how is your mind redeemed? How is your mind renewed? In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. So the only way that we get a renewed mind, the only way that we get to be conformed and transformed into the likeness of Christ is by allowing God to have his will and his way in our lives, by allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work in our heart, and by not continuing to stuff things in our mind that should not be there. Again, the world says empty your minds because they want to fill it up with junk. God says, no, fill your mind and your heart with his word, with his teachings, so that you can rely upon those and so that you can keep them in your heart and keep your heart with vigilance. And if you look in the, the, the primary scripture again, it talks about God protecting or guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We need to be careful about what we allow into our ears and into our eyes. In talking with young people, I often ask them what type of music they listen to, what type of movies they watch, things like that. And as they begin to tell you things, sometimes you get a window into what might be going into their minds and into their hearts. And sometimes it's scary. There's a young man, I know I'm going to embarrass Caleb a little bit, but there was a young man who was riding home with us who's on our basketball team, and uh, I really like this young, young man, and uh, he was playing some music on his phone in, in my car, and because uh, I, I had turned my radio off, we were just kind of chit-chatting, and I usually do this daddy interview thing to find out, you know, what kind of things go on in your house, you know, I need to find out if you're, you know, the type of person who my son might be able to go over to their house and feel like he's going to be safe, and you're, he's not going to be exposed to a bunch of silliness, right? Well, he starts playing things, and some of the stuff he's playing is not exactly what I want played in my car, now, not exactly things that I want my son exposed to. So he starts asking my son, oh, well, you don't know this music artist? You never heard this song? I said, hold on. I'm going to cut you off right there. I said, number one, you're in my car, and you will not play that. Number two, you're not going to berate my son and belittle him because he does not listen to that junk that you do. And he started to politefully. I'm sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I said, no, no, no. You're going to listen until I am done because you're in my car and we're on the interstate. But we, we had a conversation about what I believe is acceptable, not because it's just me, but it's what God's word says. And I told him very plainly, those things don't line up with what God teaches in his scripture. And because they don't, it's not allowed in my house. Because in my house, we serve God. And we follow what Jesus Christ has taught us in his word. And regardless of what you think about my son or me, I don't care. Because I'm going to do what God says. And I think he respected that. My son maybe didn't <laughs> at the time. I hope he will when he gets older. I hope he understands why I think it was so important for me to take a stand uh, when he was being pushed a little bit. And, and, you know, and me stepping in as a father. I think that's important. But if we allow those things to take place in our homes, and if we allow those things to take place in the lives of those we love, we are putting them out there unprotected. And it is wrong. We cannot do that. We should not do that. Why, why would I allow my son to, uh, to engage in a dangerous activity Completely unprepared, not knowing what he was doing. That would be hate as a father. I, I, would, I would be derelict in my responsibilities of taking care of him. Why is it any different when it's spiritual? The answer is it's not. 
So again, we're remembering that the Lord is near. We're praying to the God who provides peace, and we're meditating on godly things. Those things that we meditate upon, those godly things that we meditate upon, they can be, there's many different things that are listed here. It says, whatever is honorable, verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4, it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think that if we think about also all that God has done for us in our lives, recently also is looking back to what he did for us on the cross, those are the things that we should be looking toward. Those are the things that we should be meditating upon and thinking about. In biblical counseling, you're also told to, as you, as you counsel people, to give them scripture to rely on. If they're going through a particular issue, God's word contains many scriptures that are applicable to the maladies of man today. There's really nothing new under the sun. We've just renamed it, or we praise the deviant behavior now and say that it's acceptable, but it's really nothing new. And in order to combat those things, we have scripture. And so memorization of scripture goes right along with meditation. Memorizing that scripture to combat those things that you struggle with. Next, emulation or emulate. As we look at the scripture in verse 9, it says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So first, we're going to emulate someone. We actually have to be fellowshipping with other believers because I would hate to think that we would want to go emulate someone at a local bar. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the type of emulation we're talking about. We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about fellowship. And you can't have fellowship and you can't have discipleship if you have abandoned meeting together with your fellow brothers and sisters. We talked a little bit about that this morning when Jake was giving us the example of not abandoning meeting together. Now, I... I do want to say that it is possible to have salvation and not attend a church, but it is very difficult to have sanctification and not attend a church because we are called to be closer to Christ and called to follow the example of Christ and spurred on towards Christ-likeness through fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters. And while I do believe in priesthood of the believer, obviously, it's important that we have a preacher who studies the Word and preaches that word and helps us understand that word and helps us know how to apply that word in our lives. So fellowship and discipleship are two extremely important pieces of what, what Paul is, is, is laying out here for us as the way to deal with anxiety and, and issues in life. When we meet with other believers, there are some E's that I, I want to give you. So the first one is edification. That's receiving instruction from your fellow brothers and sisters. It's important to hear from a Sunday school teacher. It's important to hear from someone about a particular uh, issue in Scripture, maybe something that you hadn't, hadn't studied before, maybe something that you hadn't thought about before, but it's important for us to receive that edification. It's important to receive, that, receive encouragement, which would be our second E, encouragement, getting support from your fellow brothers and sisters as you go through a trial, as you're dealing with anxiety in your life, to be encouraged to have them come alongside you and help bear that burden. Experiences is the next. 
bearing each other's burdens and sharing how Christ has worked in your life, which would be a testimony to your fellow brothers and sisters, can be a great way to provide them support and comfort in times of suffering. If someone has gone through something like cancer, if someone has gone through something like the loss of a parent or the loss of a loved one, God has prepared you through that trial, whether you believe it or not. He has prepared you to minister to a fellow brother or sister who is going through or will be going through a similar time. We don't like to look at our troubles as God preparing us, but that's what's happening. If we cling to him and we learn through that example, God has prepared you with a specific testimony and a word that you can speak into someone's life that will provide them comfort in a difficult time. And since we are, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. So 2 Corinthians is the example I'm going to give. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience. And when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer, our hope is for you that you are unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, we will also share in our, you will also share in our comfort. So basically what he's saying is we're going through a difficult time so that we can in turn comfort you. As you go through a difficult time, you're going through that in turn so that you can provide comfort back. And all of that is God working through those difficult situations in our lives to prepare us for something else. There was a difficult question that was asked a couple weeks ago as we were leaving Sunday school. And one of the questions had to do with, with this suffering about why God would allow a particular thing to happen in someone's life. And I think it's a very, very difficult question because people can be in, in fragile emotional states and things like that, and we never just want to say, oh, just look on the bright side. God's preparing you. He's turning up that heat. He's making you a diamond. Uh, we we got to be careful with that. We want to we speak truth and love to them, but we want to also listen to them. We want to provide some comfort and, and I think that as we look to provide comfort to others, that's where that testimony of God doing something in our lives helps us have a testimony to speak in others' lives. And as they come through that difficult time, they will begin to see that, and they will begin to understand how God was with them all the way through. The last one that I was going to mention, uh, is, is this is another E, and it doesn't really apply, and it's not really... Uh, Germain here, but I was going to say eating, right? So we're, we're Southern Baptists. It seems like we get together and we fellowship. There's always some kind of food attached. I mean, Jake was plugging his, uh, his chili supper earlier. We're going to be fellowshipping, right? We're going to be sharing with each other's lives, but there's always seems like there's eating involved, right? Uh, I just thought that that was funny. Uh, so as, uh, as we look at the prescription that we were given this evening, I just want to kind of sum, sum this up. Um, we have to remember first, right? We need to remember back and understand that the Lord is near. He's with us. And we're not alone in our, in our anxiety or our sufferings, things that we're going through. We need to pray to the God of peace because the God of peace can provide peace in our lives. 
We need to meditate on his word, remembering the things that he has done for us in the past, remembering how he has cared for us, remembering all the great, wonderful things that he has done for us in our lives, and, and, and look to those things. Fill our minds with those things. Fill our minds with scripture that are applicable to what we are struggling with, what we're going through. Don't forsake fellowshipping with others. We need to be around our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to look to people to emulate Look to people to disciple. If we see people who are younger, maybe coming along in a stage in life that we've been through or they're going through something that we've gone through, we can look to speak some truth into their life and help them understand how God worked through your situation to help them. So as we learn to deal with our anxieties and we increasingly depend upon God to provide the peace that we so desperately need in our lives, it is then that we will be able to go back to what Paul discussed in the beginning. We'll be able to have that life that says, I can rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances, in all things. Come what may, my life is marked with Christ. God is the one who is providing the peace. Because inside of me, by myself, it's a raging storm of ups and downs and emotions. The only way for me to have a gentle, reasonable, calm life that can be displayed to all is Christ working in my heart. These guys that I talked about at Kroger, the only way that I know that those guys are able to keep their calmness and show the, the gentleness to the people that come in the store is because of Christ working their lives. And it's evident to all that they come in contact with. Doing these things will enable us to serve others. So as we allow God to work in our, our lives, as we continue to practice the prayer and the meditation, we will be able to comfort those who are in any sorts of affliction because we have been comforted. And in all things, we must know that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and that the God of peace will be with us no matter what we face. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you again for bringing us here this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to depend upon you to provide peace in the storms that we face in life. We pray that we would live lives that would be gentle and reasonable and calm and that you would give us opportunities, Lord, to speak truth to a world that is dying and lost in sin. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.